Father God, thank you so much for, for a new day. We are here to celebrate you, Father God. We are so thankful that you are alive, Lord, and that you are inside of us living. Father God, we, we worship you. We wanted to magnify your name. We wanted to glorify your name this morning, Father God, and to give thanks to the Lord for his good and his your goodness and your love endure forever father god and we thank you for that help us to glorify you this morning and to and to honor you with everything that we do and say in jesus name we pray amen amen
Even if they put me in the fire, even if they make me by my neck, still I won't let my voice grow quiet. I will sing your praises till the end, cause I got your love shut up in my bones. I will bless them who throw stones. I know that I am not alone. Father, if you are at my home, so even if they put Christ 
your love endures forever. Father, it is your desire that none shall perish. That God, you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your son, Jesus. That we might be reconciled unto you. Father, we this day, God has set aside to acknowledge your great power your resurrection. Father, that you defeated sin and death, that we are no longer slaves to sin, but those who are in Christ are now slaves to righteousness, to right living. Not anything of our own doing, but all through what Christ accomplished. So, Father, we thank you. We acknowledge you this day, God. And may it not be just this day. But God, as believers, it should be every day that we are celebrating our resurrected King, Jesus. So, Father, may our time together this morning be a sweet time of fellowship with you. As we open your word to be encouraged, Holy Spirit, Teach us, convict us, draw us even closer to you, Father, that your will would be done in and through our lives, that you would receive all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning and happy Easter to everyone. 
The Lord is risen indeed. Psalms 34 verse 14 has been our psalm and will continue to be our psalm throughout the year, encouraging us to turn from evil and to do good, to search for peace, and to work hard to maintain it. We recognize that in and of ourselves, apart from Christ, this cannot be accomplished. But as we're focusing on his resurrection this morning, the good news is that it can be done in and through our lives because of what Jesus has accomplished. He can empower us through his Holy Spirit to turn from evil and to do good. As we yield our lives to him, as we surrender our lives to Jesus, as we see him as king, as we know him as Lord, we submit ourselves to him. And we say, yes, Lord, each and every single day, throughout the day. Our heart's cry should be, yes, Lord, have your way. That we see him for who he is. The Bible says that he has defeated sin and death. Defeated. It's done with. And so we have to get beyond our excuses of why we still stay enslaved to it. The sin that so easily entangles us. The Bible says to throw it off. The Bible says not to make excuses, but to throw it off. Because it has no power over you. The only power it could have over you is what you give it. So if you're yielding to it, then of course it will have power over you. But you have been set free in Christ to make a choice. You have a decision. To turn from evil and to do good. And I've encouraged you all that as the days are getting darker and darker and darker in this world, as we see the news reports, as we look at our community, as we see evil just rising up at levels that we have never seen before, and this only is going to get worse. But the good news is, is that we have already been made aware. Because Jesus himself tells us what it will be like in the days before his return. But yet though we see it, we are not to get grow weary. No, we're not to, to get discouraged. No, we're to fan the flame within us, knowing that our Savior is risen. If you're sitting here this morning and you're a Christian, the good news is, is he's alive. Sin and death is defeated. You don't have to remain a slave to it. You don't have to be bound by darkness because you've been transferred into his marvelous light. And so we're called to live as such. To live as children of light. And to do good, and we've talked about it here before, to do good is hard to do in this world. This world will never embrace doing good, living righteously, living for Jesus. There's good moral people in the world. But if they're not Christians, all of their works are like filthy rags. It means nothing. As Christians, we place our hope in Christ. Like he's pursued us, you all. All of us were born into sin. We were born in complete rebellion towards him. And yet God loves us enough. That he sent his one and only son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God pursued you. Like you're sitting here this morning because God has you here. He's pursuing you. 
He longs for you to be with him. He knows that this world is not your home, that he has created you for eternity. So we can't keep settling for the filth of this world. We can't just keep settling for the temporalness of this life. No, we've got to lift our eyes up. And the Christian walk is not about being perfect, but it is about growing up. The concern for the church in our generation is that we're ignorant to God's truth. And as long as you remain ignorant to God's truth, you will not mature. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Because if you're not maturing, you're becoming lukewarm. And Jesus says, I would rather you be cold or hot. Because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You don't want to be a religious people following the rules, just showing up, and there's no transformation. That makes Jesus look like he's a fool. If you're living a life that is not transformed, something is wrong with your belief. And so I would plead with you to get before Christ and have a desire to believe, to truly believe. My God, I don't want to keep going back to my old ways. I don't want to keep being that dog that returns to its vomit. I don't want to keep being the pig that turns back to the mud. No, you have cleaned me. You have set me free. Show me the way. Lay out a path before me. And that road is narrow. Not everybody is going to get on that road to Christ. The many would be on that road that leads to destruction. Oh, but the good news of the risen Savior. That we would really grasp the fullness of what has taken place and why we celebrate it. Like Jesus took upon your penalty. Like it should have been you and I on that cross. It should have been you and I experiencing the wrath of God. But Jesus said, I'll go. I'll go. And he submitted to the Father. And he took upon our wrath. He willingly laid his life down. And three days later, he rose again. Amen? Amen. Like he rose again. Like he's still no longer in the grave. No, the stone was rolled away. Jesus came forth. And he's risen. Everything that the prophets and the Old Testament said. Thousands of years even before Jesus came on the earth, men were declaring that there would come one to redeem mankind back to God. And God laid out prophecy. God's word declaring who the Messiah would be. And Jesus has fulfilled all of that. And so the church is empowered with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Like if you're a Christian, you have the same power within you. I want you to think about that today. If you're calling yourself a Christian, don't settle for continuing to stumble and to be yoked to slavery, to sin and death. 
Because that is no longer your position. Your position is in Christ. You have the same power. You have the Holy Spirit within you to do what's right. Yield your life to Him. Ask for His teaching and His guidance. Be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Be in fellowship with Christians. Grow and mature. Encourage others. The next time that this earth will see Jesus is when He returns. And He's returning as a conquering King. Like He's coming to gather those who belong to Him and finally do away with this world. This is the hope that we have in Christ here. To see Him fully for who He is. Not for what we want Him to be or for what man tries to make Him to be for us. No, He's God. He's a holy God. Holy, holy, holy. And we are to remain humbled before Him. Seeking Him. Acknowledging Him. Knowing that He makes His every detail of His truth plain to us. If we would just obey and listen. Are you listening to the risen Savior this morning? Have you spoke to him this morning? Is he an active part of your life? Because he ought to be. He's risen you are. No matter what your age is in here. And we all have experienced life. And life has battered us down. Christ, Jesus, the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords, has called you out to be his own. So it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done, because again, we were all born into sin. What matters is your life yielded to Christ. That you would begin to live as a Christian, as one who truly believes in what he's accomplished. My God, you are victorious. And because of your victory, I too can live victorious. I don't have to be enslaved to filth, to negative thinking, to slander, to gossiping, to perversion or addictions to anything. No, Christ, I belong to you. I am your slave. I am your servant. You are my father. And I look to you for direction. Go to Luke, chapter 24. We're going to read verses 1 through 49. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. 
that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful man and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. They came to the tomb, expecting to find Jesus' body, expecting the normal, everyday life of one who has died. He's still in the grave, so let's go anoint his body. Let's tend to him. They had forgotten the words of Jesus, that on the third day he would rise from the dead. They had forgotten that Jesus said, listen, that he must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. They had forgotten. And then they were reminded. And I pray that be for us today. Because I think we can just go through life and we can forget the words of Jesus. We can forget what he has called us to and what he has accomplished. And we just go back to the normal everyday life. But you all, there's more to this life than just the normal life. There's more to this life than just the pain and the suffering and the chaos and the confusion. There's more to this life. If we would just hear the words of Jesus, if we would just believe the words of Jesus, if we would just live out the words of Jesus, again, not in our own self, but because he's empowered us with his Holy Spirit. God residing in you. Did you hear that? God residing in you. And the Bible says that you ought not to live a life grieving the Holy Spirit, especially when he has marked you as one of his own. Like if you're saying, oh, I'm a Christian, oh, I'm a Christian, well, then you better ought to live as one. Because you're declaring the finished work of Calvary, the powerful resurrection work of Christ in your life. And that ought to be so if you're claiming to be a Christian. These women heard the words from Jesus' own mouth, and yet they just came about to do the normal, natural thing. They had forgotten. But as soon as they were reminded... Then they remembered that he said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded, listen to this, these are the apostles. These are the ones who walked with Jesus. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe Oh, but Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Again, followers of Christ, not gaining the full understanding of what Jesus has spoken. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, look at this, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. 
but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas said, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the men from Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Listen to this remark. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see And sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Listen, they just heard the report that angels appeared to these women and told them Jesus is alive. And they left the city. People are hearing this news, followers of Christ, and yet they're saddened. They're going about their own way. They're not believing you all. And so it is with a lot of people sitting in churches today. Hearing the word of God over and over and over and over and over. And nothing's happening to their hearts or to their lives. They just keep going along their way. Oh, they can tell others about Jesus. Well, this is what we've heard. Jesus loves you. And they can say these truths to people. But in and of themselves, they're not believing. Let that not be said about you or about me. Let it be said that we believe in the risen Christ. All-powerful. When we see him for truly who he is, we will live a life that respects him. Like the living God, you all, the holy God. I want you to think about your actions this week. I want you to think about your actions this morning. Did you honor him? When you didn't, did you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit? telling you that was wrong, that that's not how you should be living. Like to turn from evil and to do good. Like God wants to reveal himself more and more to you. It's not God holding back revelation from you. It's just you choosing not to listen. These people heard. And yet, they just kept going. And look how Jesus responds to them. Verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in scriptures. 
wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Listen to what Jesus just said to them. You foolish people. You people living as if there's no God. As if the truth in which you've heard is not true at all. Do you find it so hard to believe that which was spoken about him? Through the prophets. Listen to what he's saying here. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining all the scriptures that concerns him. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus. In the end of the journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us, since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened, and look at this, they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Suddenly their eyes were open. Instantly. Their eyes were open to his truth. Again. These are men and women who were with Jesus. And yet. And yet. They kept going about their way. Oh, they were following Jesus. But they truly didn't get the fullness of who he was. This morning, ask yourself, do you get him? <laughs> Have your eyes been open? Have scriptures been revealed to you? Are you feeling and sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit bringing conviction into your life? Are you acting upon that conviction? Are you obeying? We're not just to be hearers of the word. We are to be doers of the word. Jesus walked them through scriptures. And that's why I purposed walking us through scriptures. Going through the Old Testament to the New Testament. Through Psalms, through Proverbs. Like we're walking through it in hopes that Jesus would be revealed to us. That the revelation of the risen Savior will become clearer to us. Man can't teach it to us. Only the Holy Spirit can bring revelation. So as you're hearing the word of God, as you're sitting down and hopefully even in your own devotional time, as you before you come to church, that you're seeking, that you're asking for the Holy Spirit to teach you, like, God, I'm going to hear from you. I want to learn of you. I want to know how I'm to live now. I know how I would live. But God, I've given my life to you. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. These men's eyes were opened. And they recognized him. They said to each other, 
Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. People are getting it now. You see, at first, they were just going about their normal everyday life. The women were going to anoint the body, the dead body. They should have known the body wasn't going to be there. The men heard their report of what the angels told them. And remember, they thought it was nonsense. Oh, but Peter got up and ran to the tomb. And then he didn't understand. Then we have these two men, these two other disciples of Christ, walking away from Jerusalem, heading home. And then Christ appears to them and reveals himself yet again to them. And when they finally get it, they turn and go back. And now they're gathering together, the believers. All of a sudden, he's alive, he's alive. It's no longer a a question like, is this true, is it not true? No, something is happening among them. And now they're gathering together. They're no longer just going about their own ways. They're gathering together. There's a great expectation taking place within them. And so my question for us today, is there a great expectation among us gathering together? Like when we come together, are we expecting? Because he's alive. He's alive. And that should be impacting you to the very essence and to the very core of who you are, basing your decisions and your thoughts out of that truth that you say you believe. That you say you believe. And are you acting upon it? They're gathered together and they're expecting. It says here in verse 35, Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Hallelujah. They came expecting. They were sharing. Like we've received this. He's alive. We've received this revelation. He's alive. They're all telling their accounts and their stories. He's alive. As it is with our testimonies. How God has changed us and is changing us. Transforming us. Again, it's not about being perfect. But you ought to be maturing. And you ought to be obeying. And there shouldn't be a delay in your obedience Because that's costly. Like when Jesus speaks, you obey. No matter how hard it hurts you, no matter what it's going to cost you, you obey. Because he's God. He's the risen Savior. And they were there telling their accounts and all of a sudden Jesus is standing among them. And listen to this. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? And could he not say the same about us? Oh, we start talking how Jesus is moving in our lives. 
Oh, we, we start experiencing us doing the righteous acts, not in and of ourselves, but in our obedience as he's leading us. And we're seeing Jesus and we're talking and we're recognizing that there's something different taking place in us. They were talking about their experience. He's risen. He's risen. And finally he's standing before them and now they're frightened. We talk how he's doing things in our lives and how he's showing up and he's revealing himself. And yet when he finally reveals himself and he calls you out, we doubt. We question. We're scared. We're not sure if this is Jesus. Oh, what will my life look like? We're not getting it, you all. And Jesus questions them because they weren't getting it. Like, you were just talking about me. <laughs> you were just re saying the reports that I'm alive. And here I am, and now you're scared of me. Why are you filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, but filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, look at this. I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Do you get that, you all? We hear this again. This is almost like the third time within the passage that we've read that it's being spoken yet again. Everything that was spoken about Jesus in the Old Testament has been fulfilled through Jesus. And then we see again that their minds are open to understanding. I want you to think about it. When you open up the Bible, when I maybe have sat down with you one-on-one -on -one and encouraged you to go through Scripture, do you grow tired? <laughs> do you find it boring? Do you just kind of go, oh, I've been there. It's funny, when it comes to the spiritual life of growing in Christ, there's such a resistance. But yet, we could spend three hours doing something else, not growing tired, not growing weary, getting caught up in it. Listen, when you open up the Word of God, when you sit down to do your devotional time, when you come to church, you want your mind and your heart to be alert. You want scriptures to be opened up to you. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. No preacher can open your heart and your mind to the truths of God's word. All that we're entrusted with is to deliver it. So if you're not getting it, something is wrong. Because are you seeking it? They were filled 
with joy and wonder. Yet though there may have been still some disbelief, there was something taking place within them. They're starting to see something afresh and anew. Jesus is alive before them. And he's reminding them yet again. When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand scripture. Jesus, Lord, open our minds that we may understand scripture. What a prayer for you to walk away this week to pray. That God, you would open up my mind that I may understand scripture. That I may understand, Lord. Because I will not obey unless I have understanding. Amen. You will not obey Christ unless you have understanding. And some of you have been given understanding and you're still not obeying. That's dangerous. That's very dangerous. That's a dangerous place to be. Is to have understanding and do nothing about it. And he said, yes, it is written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It is also written that this message will be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are my witness of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in this city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. The Holy Spirit. Jesus told them earlier, I have to go away so that he will come. The power from heaven. The Holy Spirit. God residing in you. God residing in you. <laughs> Verse 47, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. The message of the gospel, you all. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Amen. There is forgiveness. Remember, we were born into sin. We were born into rebellion against God and his kingdom. But God so loved us that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus, you all. Jesus. His message, turn from your sin. Repent. Turn away from it. Go in the opposite direction. Turn from evil, do good. Turn from evil, do good. Not in and of yourself, but through me. God, praise the Lord. This is the message. This is what we're bearing witness to. And you may say, well, that is to the disciples and those that were sitting there. Oh, but turn to 1 Peter. Chapter 1. 
those disciples waited in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit. If you haven't read the book of Acts, read the book of Acts. It's the birth of the church. Men and women in power doing God's work. Changing the world until this very day. And we want to play church. No, no, no. There's work to be done. We have been empowered by the power from heaven. To go proclaim the good news. To see the captives set free. To open the blind eyes. To see transformed lives. People being transformed from darkness into light. Having a hope. Having a peace. Not enslaved to sin any longer. But enslaved to righteous living. All because of what he has accomplished. And people have given their lives for this, you all. People have given their lives still to this day to tell the good news of Jesus. To tell the good news of the risen Savior. The hope for sinners. Turn from your sins. Repent. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Turn from your sins. Repent. Turn to God. Because it's only through Jesus that you can be reconciled to God. In 1 Peter here, chapter 1, verse 3 through 25, the hope of eternal life, Peter is writing, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Born again, you all. Remember, Jesus says you must be born again of the Spirit. Our message is not the cross. If the Bible says if our message was just the cross, then we speak foolishness. Because what good came from just Him dying? No, our message is the resurrection. We talk about the cross. We recognize the cross because without the cross, there wouldn't be a resurrection. A payment had to be made for our sin. He had to take on our wrath. But we just don't leave it at the cross. Our message is the resurrection. How many of you have said it or how many of you heard? Well, we make excuses and the popular excuse is, I'm only human. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. You want to stay enslaved to your sin? Then just keep seeing yourself as a human. No, 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 no. You've been born again of a new nature. That's what the Bible says. You've been born again into a new life. A life that is led by the Holy Spirit of God. A life that is being transformed so that the darkness around you can see that you're bearing something different. So the next time you're quick to tell yourself or others, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. I'm only human. Oh, God, have mercy. Because you're stripping him of what he accomplished. No, see him for who he is, you all. See him as the risen Savior, because if there's no hope in a risen Savior, then something's wrong. 
He said, it is finished. And I believe that. If he says it, I'm going to believe it. It's finished. I don't have to remain the same. Change me, Lord. I stumble and fall. I get up. Change me, Lord. I keep moving forward. I get up and I fall again. Get up and keep moving forward. Don't settle. That this is all I have. This is all I am. That's not true. He's writing here to the church, reminding them of the hope of the eternal life that we have in Christ. He says, you've been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you, look at this, by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. As I said earlier, Jesus is coming. (laughs) And we as believers ought to look forward to that day. And as we're looking forward to that day, we're to be busy. Being about our Father's business. So be truly glad. This is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith, look this, is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You ever known people who profess Christ? I'm a Christian. I go to church. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And yet when they go through trials and times get hard and rough, they turn right back. They shriek back from church. They shriek back from God. They go back to living their old ways and their old life. Is their faith genuine? You know when you have genuine faith when you're persevering. A lot of times we turn back because we see ourselves. We stop looking upon the risen Savior. We start seeing our failures and our hurts and our pains. We start looking at circumstances of life and maybe things aren't just fair. And so it's just easy to kind of retreat and go back to what I know. Oh, I've been there. But God is protecting us by his power. And he's not going to let us go. He is relentless and continuing to reveal himself to us. Amen. So at the end of days when you stand before him, if you've rejected him, it's not him. It's you. It's you. God himself is revealing himself. And we are being encouraged. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Remember what I said earlier about when we were reading through Luke? Some may say, well, that was for them. But what about for us now? We'll look at verse 8. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. 
The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. We as believers in our generations and the generations to come, we trust even though we don't see him. We trust him because he's revealed himself to us. Our whole lives, God, are yours. That should be our plea. That should be our cry. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Have your way. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about the gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when, look at this, he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. We see it again, the power from heaven, the Holy Spirit. As you're proclaiming the good news, and you ought to be proclaiming the good news to others. You ought to be sharing your faith. If you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself a Christian, you ought to be announcing Jesus to others. Why would you want to keep them in dark? Why would you not care for their eternity? Heaven or hell. And you as followers of Christ have the good news. And you're not preaching it within your power. No, you're trusting in the power which you've been given. God, if you made it clear and plain to me, give me the power to make it and speak it so that you will make it clear and plain to others. Again, you can't do it, but he can. You're just called to proclaim it. So why are you keeping it to yourselves? Share the good news. Share the good news. They were told about their messages, that their messages were not for themselves. Talking about the prophets, but it was for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached it in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Even the angels are looking and watching the church. Proclaiming the good news, doing the will of God in a darkened, depraved generation. When everything is turning to itself, when everyone is demanding their rights, the church should be demanding the kingdom of God, announcing it, moving forward, loving others, serving others. Not backbiting and bickering and, 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 and divided. The church is not to be living that way. We ought to be united. Because we are united in Christ. And we recognize that each of us are gifted differently to bring about what God has called us to do. As a local church and as the church and the earth. That even the angels are watching. It goes on here. So think clearly and exercise self-control. 
Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live, look at this, as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. And we've talked about that here. People fall, and we ought not to be surprised when Christians fall. Because what else do we know to go back to? When our own desires flare up, if you don't get them submitted and yielded to the Holy Spirit, all you know to do is to go back to where you were. So don't go back. No, live as God's obedient children. He goes on, you don't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. See, when you were before Christ, when you were living as a rebellious sinner, you didn't know better. That's all you did. But now you're confessing Christ. Now that you're in Christ, you've received such great salvation. But now you must be holy. Look at this in everything you do, not just when you're around church folk. In everything you do, be holy. Oh, that quick excuse that we find ourselves. But I'm just human. Listen, if it wasn't able to be accomplished in and through your life, we wouldn't be commanded to live as such. Do we make him out a liar? Because we are not living as we ought to? We make excuses just to keep doing whatever we want and to live however we want and keep re- just feasting off our own desires. And yet that's ungodly. And somehow we think we're okay. No, 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 no. You used to live that way, but now live as God's obedient children. Stop going back to your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time as foreigners in the land. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. God is pleased to reveal himself to you through Jesus. That you may live, you all. And not die. That you may live in Christ. Experience the fullness of life on this earth. But did you see how you should look at this earth? It's a foreign land. This earth is not your home. Don't settle for it. Keep your eyes focused and fixed upon Christ. Look upward. When life starts beating you all around and you see no way out, look up. Look up. (coughs) Look up. Keep your head up. Encourage yourself in these truths. 
get involved with fellowship. Get over yourself, as we've talked about it here. We even had shirts made. Get over yourself and live for Jesus. I encourage you, that's all we have to share with people is Jesus. Live for Jesus. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. You were cleansed. If this doesn't get you excited, something is seriously wrong. Because you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. You were cleansed from your sins. Like you're no longer that slave to sin. Oh, but I just can't help myself. It's just who I am. We make all these excuses. But God says, you've been cleansed from your sins. Do you see yourself that way? I've encouraged you over and over and over. And I encourage myself over and over and over. See yourself as whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken. All your choices and everything you do and everywhere you go and everything you say and everything you think should be based on this new identity in Christ. I am whole in Christ. He's paid the price. He is risen. And I have been born again. When I first came to Christ, for many, many years, my question to the Lord was, who am I now? Who am I now? I know me. I know what I would do. I know the old rebellious man. I know what he liked. I know what he wanted. But who am I now? Who am I now? And I found it weird that I would find churches that I would go into giving me the right to still be myself. That didn't make sense. That's not the God that I found. <laughs> or the God who found me, I should say. Like he finds you. He chases you down. He reveals himself to you. He calls you by your name. And he says, I am all that you need. I am. Remember our study? Who should I say sent me? I am. That's what he says to your life. That's what he says it to my life. I am. Yes. Go no further. I am. I am all that you need. I have created you. I've known you. I placed you in your mother's womb. Stop going your way on the path of destruction. I am the resurrected one. I am the king of kings. I am the lord of lords. I am returning Do you hear this? Like you've been cleansed from your sins. And again, don't hear that, oh, I've got to be perfect. No, it's not about being perfect. It's just about growing up. Stop going your way and go his way. Like Jesus says, it's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come to give you life and life and abundance. 
Not the material things of this world, but the hope and the peace and the fulfillment that is only found in Christ. Only in Christ, you all. Look at verse 23. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. And then chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 is where we're ending today. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that, look at this, you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had and taste of the Lord's kindness. Did you hear that? There's a way in which you ought to be living. When you come to Christ, you are a babe. Look what it says there. Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk. Feast you all off of the word of God. It's the living word. If all you're getting the word is just today and you're doing nothing with it the rest of the week, (coughs) then you're not getting anything. You must um, abide in Christ. You must remain in Christ. And he is the word. It's alive and active. It'll satisfy you no matter what you're facing. That's why I love going through the book of Psalms. It satisfies you no matter what your circumstances are. Because it points you back in the direction of the risen Savior. And what he came to accomplish for us. So cry out for this nourishment. You all have got to push against the flesh. You've got to remind yourself that you've crucified your desires to his cross. And the world's interest is no longer, the world shouldn't have, no longer have an interest in you. <laughs> that you're pursuing righteousness. That you're pursuing Him. That's the life of a Christian. And if that's not your life today, well then I would ask of you to turn to Christ and be saved. Turn to Christ and be saved. Stop holding a form of religion and denying his power. No, if you're saying you're a Christian, then you have been empowered by the power of heaven, by the Holy Spirit, to this newness of life. You've been born again, afresh of and anew. So cry out for this nourishment. God, I need more of you. I need more knowledge. I need more wisdom. I need the strength to take this step. He knows everything you're going through. He knows what he's bringing about in you. He even knows how hard it's going to be. But he says, I am with you. He's got us, you all.
It's His purpose. It's His plan. So rest in Him. It says here, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Look how God looks at you. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble, listen to this, because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Not obeying is very costly, you all. Your life should be marked of obedience. Even in your failures, you get up and you obey. You keep moving forward. But you are not like that. See, you're not, like, you're not to be like the ones that just keep stumbling and not obeying. For you are a chosen people. Listen to how, if you're a believer, you are described. You are a chosen people. You are, you are royal priests. A holy nation, look at this, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness, look at that, into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. You once were but now you are. You ought to be encouraging yourself in this. And yet this is a day to set aside that we celebrate his resurrection. It shouldn't be the only day. It should be every day. And before you go out preaching the gospel to anyone, preach it to yourself daily. We need to be reminded. And who better to remind you than yourself? You should hear the word of God coming from your own mouth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And yet some of us are, oh, over the word. Some of us have no desire even to be in church. Some of us have no desire at all. God help us. This is the day the Lord has made and we ought to be glad and rejoice in it. Each and every single day of our lives. You get up before you put your feet on the floor and declare whom you belong to, whom you are in Christ, in Christ. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Look how you are to live. 
all because Christ was crucified and rose again, you all. He fulfilled what his purpose was so that we would live. The Bible says that the harvest field is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Oh, that we will burn for Christ. His word will burn within us. That we would have a desire even to know him more. The risen Savior. The Holy One. And that we would start making decisions that's honoring him. Recognizing him for who he is, you all. Jesus. The name of Jesus. There's no other name like his. Jesus. He is the risen king, you all. And if you don't know him, today I pray would be the day that you come to know him. That you say, God, I may not know the fullness of what I'm to do, but God, I just yield to you. I see you for who you are, the risen Savior, God's one and only Son, who loves me. And he loves you all, yet though you're still in rebellion towards him. But yet he says, come to me. Come to me, afresh and anew. He will give you a new birth, a new life. That ultimately will honor him, you all. So let it be on this resurrection day. That you leave this place with a new hope in your heart. Even if you're sitting here today as a Christian. That you would have a renewed hope in your heart to live for Christ. To live for Christ. Let this last song of worship encourage you. And then I'll close us in prayer.
Jesus.